Deuteronomy 29. We're going to be reading just the verses 22 through the end of this chapter. This is when Moses is describing to the people of Israel the blessings of following the Lord and the curses that come if we fail to obey Him. From Deuteronomy 29, beginning at verse 22, And the next generation, your children who rise up after you, and the foreigner who comes from a far land will say, when they see the afflictions of that land and the sicknesses with which the Lord has made it sick, the whole land burnt out with brimstone and salt, nothing sown, nothing growing, where no plant can sprout and overthrow like that of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zaboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and wrath, all the nations will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land? What caused the heat of this great anger? Then people will say, it is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshiped them gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, bringing upon it all the curses written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath and cast them into another land as they are this day. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Our attention this morning will be focused on verse 29 of that chapter. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 895 in the back section. This is the Heidelberg Catechism one of the doctrinal standards of our church, and we are looking at the Catechism's explanation of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this morning, looking at Lord's Day 49, found on page 895, and I will read for you the uh, one question and answer, question 124. Regarding the Lord's Prayer, what does the third petition mean? The answer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means, help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will, for it alone is good. Help everyone to carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Well, we continue this morning our study of the petitions, the requests of the Lord's Prayer, turning this morning to the third request, your will be done. God's will. And I think at times we sometimes use God's will as a, as a somewhat default answer to things we do not understand when there is a sudden tragedy in a family, when there's a financial difficulty, when there's a physical difficulty, we say, trying to be helpful, well, this must be the Lord's will. God's will explains those things we don't understand. Perhaps we refer to God's will 
with regard to things we do not know, things in the future. Who is it that I will marry? What job will I do? Should I attend college or not? I need to find out God's will about these various things. This is a prayer for God's will. Your will be done. And to properly understand this prayer, we have to properly understand the will of God. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. What, is we, what are we praying when we pray, your will be done? Well, children, uh, maybe you didn't know this, but God has two wills. God has two wills. God has his secret will. We sometimes call that his decretive will because it deals with the eternal decrees which God has made. What would those eternal decrees be? God's decree to create. God was existing perfectly throughout all eternity and for his own good pleasure chose to create the heavens and the earth and everything that they contain. That was a decree by the will of God. We think of God's eternal decrees with regard to the fall into sin. We know nothing happens by chance. God's in control of all things. Now we can discuss uh, whether or not God decreed the fall before creation or after creation, but the fall itself was part of God's inscrutable secret will, His eternal decrees. We think of God's ongoing will in our lives, the will of providence, the way that God unfolds our lives in such a way that day by day He cares for us. That's a matter of God's eternal, decretive, secret will. We think of the difficult decree of predestination. Who will be saved and who will not? How is it that in, in one family, one child grows up to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and one child chooses to reject the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't understand that. That is a matter of God's secret, decretive will. And we think about the events in our lives, our plans for the future. Now, we all have plans for after the service today. We plan to go back to our homes and maybe have a little lunch and then come back for worship this evening. That's our plan. But none of us know certainly that's going to happen. Something may come up that would disrupt that pattern. That's a matter of God's secret, decretive will, a will which is known perfectly to God himself. The other will that God has is not his secret will, it is his revealed will. We sometimes call that his perceptive will. The precepts, the laws which God has given to us. God's revealed will. Children, once again this morning, I read the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20, and every Sunday morning when I read those commandments, after reading them, I say, this is God's holy will for our lives. The commandments, the precepts, the laws of God are His revealed will. We know that will of God because He's made it clear to us in His holy word, in all of His word. 
He's made it clear in the law. He's made it clear in the Psalms. He's made it clear in the prophets. When the prophets speak, they say, thus saith the Lord. This is a declaration of the will of God. We see that will revealed in the Gospels. We see it revealed in Acts, in the Epistles, in the Revelation. All 66 books of the Scriptures reveal to us God's preceptive will. That will which is revealed. A secret will, a revealed will. When we pray, your will be done, which will are we talking about? Well, I would suggest we are not praying that God's secret will be done. Because His secret will will be done. It is His decrees. It is His eternal requirements. It's the way He wants us to live. God's, God's decretive will will happen. Whether we pray your will be done or not, it is the will of God. Now, when we pray this prayer, your will be done, we are praying not for His decretive will, His secret will, but His preceptive will. How does God want us to live? How is it we are to obey the revealed will in Scripture? That is the nature of our prayer. A prayer not for God's secret will, 29.29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. These eternal decrees, His decretive will, these things belong to God. And He will bring them about in His good time. No, we are not asking for, for an, an, an insight into God's secret will. But it's a prayer regarding His revealed will. Yet often, I, I think we confuse those two things. When we pray, your will be done, we want to somehow have some hidden insight, some secret knowledge into what God's will might be. If I'm, if I'm uh, trying to, to make a certain decision of what I should do, and I pray, Lord, I want to do your will, show me your will, and it's as if we want to get some type of secret knowledge into God's decretive will. And there's various ways in which we try to find that secret knowledge so we can do the will of God. Perhaps we say, you know, I will know this particular activity is God's will if God blesses me. Now certainly, following God leads us in the path of blessing. That's clear in Scripture. But it is not the case that simply because we are being blessed, it's a guarantee that we are following God's will. What do we read in Psalm 73? In Psalm 73, we have a description of the wicked. How are they described? The psalmist says, For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out with fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongues strut through the earth. 
Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. They appear to be blessed, always at ease, increasing in riches. But that blessing is for this life only. No, simply because we seem to be being blessed in a certain path we've chosen does not necessarily mean that we are following the will of God. We're not looking for some secret knowledge into his decretive will. And yet we do that when we say, you know, if I've got to make a decision over something in the future, I will know I'm doing God's will because, because I just have great peace with this decision that I'm making. I, I'm, I'm just at such peace with this decision I've made. And again, there is a sense of peace when we do what God has revealed to us. But being at peace is no guarantee we are doing what God has revealed to us. You know who has peace? The wicked have peace. The wicked don't care that they're not living according to God's revealed will. The wicked don't care that God calls them to a certain thing and they completely disregard that. The wicked don't care at all. They have great peace. Great peace in their lives because they're not concerned about what God wants. And we can, we can so easily deceive ourselves into finding peace. We can think about a particular sin and that we might like to follow the path of that sin and we begin to talk about that sin in our own minds and we begin to rationalize that sin and we can come to peace with that. We can deceive ourselves and think and rationalize to such an extent that we can make peace with the devil if we have to. Having peace is not, is not the guarantee we are doing what God wants us to do. Sometimes we say, you know, I, I know I'm doing God's will uh, because of providence. We try to read God's will, his secret will, in providence. You know, if God hadn't allowed this certain set of circumstances to take place, if God hadn't put me here at this time, then why would these things happen? No, God's unfolding things in a certain way that I know I'm doing his secret will. What would we say to King David? When David was being pursued by Saul... Saul was trying to take his life. And in God's providence, a situation arises where Saul is in a cave and David is able to sneak up and get so close to him that David can cut the hem off of Saul's garment. Now certainly you would say to David, look, in God's providence, this man's trying to kill you. Certainly you can take his life. That's God's providence. It must be God's secret will that you kill him now. What did David say? Far be it from me to strike the Lord's anointed. David knew the revealed will of God, that Saul had been chosen as the king of Israel, and he would not say, look, in God's, in God's inscrutable providence, I have an opportunity to kill him. What would we say to King David? 
in regards to his relationship with Bathsheba. David happens to be uh, looking out the window at a certain day. Bathsheba happens to be at a certain place at a certain time. And I'm certain that David could rationalize, look, this is, this is God's unfolding providence. Certainly it's okay if I go and commit sin with this woman. No, we don't look for God's secret will in providence in the way that things unfold in our lives. Probably the most common way of trying to see if we are walking in the will of God or determining what to do in a certain situation is we look for signs. We say to God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. We think of, of Gideon in the Old Testament, Gideon who puts out fleece. Sometimes we use that expression. I'm going to put out fleece to see if I should do this thing. Oftentimes, um, men who are considering going to seminary do that. Uh, when you enter seminary, uh, one of the first classes that you take is what's called summer Greek. You take a session of summer Greek, a very intensive Greek class for a month before the rest of the classes start. And many seminarians will say, look, I will know God wants me to go to seminary and pursue seminary if I can pass summer Greek. That's the test. That's the sign. God, if you let me pass summer Greek, I will know it is your will that I become a minister. Maybe we do that for a job. We're interviewing for a particular job and we say, God, I will know it's your will that I take this job if they offer me this salary. And you pick a number. If they offer me this salary, God, that will be the sign. That's the sign that this is your will for me. Or maybe, maybe we're considering asking a, a gal on a date. We want to call up Sally and ask her for a date. And we say to God, you know, I know it'll be your will that I take her on a date if she answers the phone on the third ring. <laughs> and we give this sign. God, if this is the sign, if I'm supposed to date her, then have that happen. The problem with signs is they are so hard to read. Signs are so difficult to understand. What if we are that young man thinking about pursuing the ministry and going to seminary, and, and we say to God, if I can pass summer Greek, uh, I'll know this is your will. And we go and, and we take that introductory class and we study very, very hard all month. At the end of the month, we get our grade, and our final grade is a D minus. Now, what's God's will? He wants me to be a minister. Just not a very good one. What, what, what is God's will in that sign? Uh, you know, we go for the job interview, and they, you know, we have in our mind this certain number. And, uh, and they say to us, look, this is going to be your starting salary. And it's just a little bit below. But we promise you within a year, it'll be here. And that's a little bit above. Well, is it God's will? I take this job, the, the, the salary's below the sign, but the promise is it'll be above the sign. Signs are so hard to read. What if we're going to call up Sally for that date and we dial her number and the phone rings once and the phone rings twice and the phone rings a third time and it's answered and it's her twin sister, Susie. <laughs> what is God's will? Signs are so hard to read. 
No, we are not asking for some secret revelation into the inscrutable mind of God. The secret things belong to the Lord. They belong to Him. But what does our our text say? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Your will be done. It's not a prayer to discern the secret will of God. Nowhere in Scripture are we called to discern the secret will of God. It is a prayer that we do His revealed will. That's what our confession talks about. Your will be done means help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will. For it alone is good. The things revealed belong to us and to our children. We have all the will of God that we need revealed to us in the Scriptures. Everything we need to know, all God's revelation we need, is given to us in His Holy Word. What does 2 Timothy 3.16 say? The Word of God is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be partially equipped may be somewhat equipped, know that he may be complete equipped in every good work. The Word of God is sufficient for us. There's no more will that we need beyond that which God has revealed to us. We don't have to get some secret knowledge into his secret hidden will for us. Our prayer is for the revealed will, that we might do that which God has said we should do. And so how is it then we go forward in our lives? How do we make godly decisions that we might do the will of God, the revealed will of God? Well, there are a couple questions we can ask ourselves. If we're considering something for the future, a decision to be made, the first question we have to ask is, am I right now living within God's revealed will? What is God's will for us? God's will is that we embrace Jesus Christ and follow Him. We read about that in 1 Timothy 2 and 2 Peter 3. It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. Am I right now doing what God has called me to, embracing Jesus Christ, recognizing Him as my Lord and as my Savior? And if I'm not, none of the other stuff matters. The decision I have to make doesn't matter. The most important thing is, have I right now bowed the knee to Jesus Christ? And so if you are here this morning and have not done that, if you have not embraced Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation, this is God's will. He calls you to humble yourself before Him, to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Am I right now living in the will of God. If we're considering a decision to be made, the second question we could ask is, if I do this, is there any sin involved? Will I be placing myself in the way of sin? Maybe there is a wonderful job, 
that has been offered to us, and the salary is great, and the perks are fantastic. And of course, as we're finishing the job interview, the, uh, the, the boss says to us, well, you recognize, um, of course, you're going to have to work every Lord's Day. Is it God's will that we take that? His revealed will is that we are to rest on the Lord's Day. Oh, we know there are works of mercy and necessity. We know that. But that's not the case. God's revealed will is you will rest on the Lord's Day. You will gather for worship on the Lord's Day. And if this job is not going to allow that to happen, it is not God's will for you. God's revealed will is what we are to follow and obey. Maybe you're, you're dating someone and, and you're considering marrying this person and they are an unbeliever. And you come to me and you say, Reverend Niemeyer, I want to understand God's will. Is it God's will that I marry this unbeliever? I can tell you without hesitation, it is not. It is not. God's will is clear. We are not to be unequally yoked. You don't have to wonder about that. You don't, you don't have to discern that. God has revealed it to us. Help us to do your will. Help us to follow the instructions you have given. You might ask yourself the question, then where, where can I be of more service to God and to his kingdom? Not necessarily where am I most comfortable, where can I make the most money, but if, if uh, I am currently walking in the will of God, his revealed will, if there's no sin involved in this particular choice, then how can I be of most service to God, to his people? What will be most, the biggest blessing to others? And having done all that, if we've asked those questions, am I right now living in the will of God? Is there any sin involved in this choice? How can I be of no, most service to God? And, and two alternatives seem to be equally fine with regard to the answers to those questions. Then don't think you have to look for the one right answer. God has given you a choice. God has given you freedom. You don't have to say, look, I've got to divine what is God's will between these two choices. There's no sin involved. I can serve God well in both places. Then God gives us freedom. And God gives us choice. Now along the way in this process, we might want to seek out godly advisors to help us make sure we are understanding Scripture properly, applying it to our lives properly. But having asked these questions and and, and, and sought to do what God has revealed to us, we then confidently make a decision and go forward, knowing we are doing what God has called us to do. His revealed will is, is being reflected in our lives. Kids, one of my favorite songs is the song, Trust and Obey. You know that song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. That's God's call to us. Your will be done. Help us not to try to discern some secret will behind the veil, not knowing what's going on in eternity, but help us to do your revealed will. Again, from our confession, help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels 
in heaven. That's our prayer. Your will be done. Not to discern some secret knowledge, but to obey that which has been revealed. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. May God help us to do His will. Let's join together in prayer. Lord God, we do confess You are great and You are glorious and You are beyond our understanding. You have made decrees from eternity which are known only to You as it should be. The the secret things belong to You, O God. But You've also chosen to reveal Yourself and to reveal Your will for our lives. Make us good students of Your Word, O God that we may see the truth you have given to us there. You may apply that to us by the work of your Holy Spirit. And we may commit ourselves to walking in the ways of the things revealed for us and for our children. Help us, Lord God, to do your will. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen.